0: Hello, and welcome to the Double Take Podcast with your hosts, Kirk and Kevin Weber. This is the show for fans of APA gaming and sports. On this episode, we discuss APA soccer and baseball with Hall of Famer John Cochran, the Zach APA handbook and card collecting, and the new 2020 Master Baseball season pre-play set. Please join us now on Double Take, an APA gaming podcast. Welcome to episode 35 of Double Take. I'm Kirk Weber with my brother here, Kevin Weber. How are you guys doing? And uh, we thank you for joining us. Uh, We have another fun episode uh, of Appa Talk, and uh, we're going to get into some Appa Soccer in this episode. Um, We're going to talk to John Cochran about Appa Soccer, among other things. He's also a big baseball card collection that he has. Basically, he has every season from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's you know been involved in tournaments and at the conventions and stuff. Really interesting um, background for him.
1: Yes. Hopefully he's got that insured because it's definitely worth a few bucks. A yeah. He also is the
0: editor of the zacksappahandbook.org, uh, basically the Appa Handbook, and is um, you know you can call yourself a historian. He really is an Appa historian. You know mm-hmm. he really knows stuff. So if you listen, you'll kind of get you'll you'll pick up. On that, that he kind of understands all the nuances of, of the history of the game, too.
1: And if you have never checked out the EPA uh, handbook, you, you definitely should do that. A lot of rabbit holes go down there. Um, very interesting stuff. I mean, it's you know about the baseball cards, but um, I don't think they really have anything in there about any of the other sports, but definitely very interesting worth worth a look. Right.
0: So that's coming up um, after the break here. Um, there's a couple things that have just recently come out. Um, with a recent newsletter, um, you know, from the Appa company. Um, and it was an interesting newsletter. Um, John Herson and John Aslan and Jeremy Bueller uh, are kind of doing an audio this week kind of newsletter sort of thing. It's not a this week in APA, but they're all just kind of talking. And it's fun to listen to and hear them do stuff. And I think the main reason why uh, John did that, he said, John Hurson did that was because, uh, you know, we don't have the convention going on. And he normally would kind of get a, give a state of the company sort of address um, at the convention, and make some announcements and things like that. And he didn't really have a, a way to do that, so they decided to do something more audio. And so it's a good listen. Uh, we'll leave a link to that on the show notes if you didn't get a chance to listen to that. It's off uh, like YouTube. Um, But the biggest thing that, I mean, there was a number of things discussed in the newsletter, you know, about products coming out, whether it's soccer or um, football and and things like that. But the biggest thing um, I would say for most APA gamers is what they're doing with the 2020 pre-play season. So Mm -hmm. it's been in the works, I think, for a while. They did a thing with APA Go where they um, worked with people on that. Um, But basically, available now for either cards, um, and APAGO. And then, uh, he said by the end of the week of basically, uh, the week of, you know, June 21st here, um, is, um, the BBW file only too probably for $20. I assume I haven't seen that yet. Um, of what is, um, 900 cards, 30 players per team cards based on 2020 projections of, what they are going to do and some with their past performances. Okay. So uh, there's no lineup sheets or anything or batting orders or pitching rotations. It's um, basically you be the manager and um, the pitching is all assumed to be set with DH, um, DHs, because that's really what the um, 60 game season is supposed to do. That was just recently announced too um, for MLB. And what he says on there, if you don't haven't listened to this, and I find it interesting, and um, and I'm interested to hear what you think about this uh, league related, Kevin, is um, this will be available possibly for a limited time till they come out with a real uh, based 2020 set off of the shortened season. If for some reason the season doesn't happen, um, then this would be the official 2020 baseball set and then it would continue to exist Um, but if they come up with a new set then in November when they start to kind of make that transition to the the cards this will be pulled off the store Um, so you could be kind of a rare thing too um, and it could be an option if there isn't an actual uh, set made for a season that uh, leagues could use if they want to, but there could be some issues with that. What do you think of that?
1: Hmm. You know, I don't know. I, I have a problem you know, with my WBO BO league as far as if we were going to use a 60-game set, That I guess that could be okay. I, I guess I got to see how the whole 60-game schedule would play out to have a feel for that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There'd be some weird cards, I tell you. But that might be interesting. This pre-play set—I don't know if I want to play a 162-game season with a pre-play set. I mean, part of the fun of drafting um, a current year set, I, I think, is that um, guys have surprising seasons that you don't expect. And basically, it's like you're just predicting what you thought they were going to do, and there's no there's no surprise to that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You're not—I don't think you're predicting any. Anything like, you know, this guy comes out of the woodwork and hits 50 home runs, you know, like, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, we had last year, you know, so um, you kind of know what you would get, I guess, you know, and also it's like, um, you know, like I drafted certain players on my team because our players roll over each year um, based on what the guy might do, you know, like some of my younger guys, some of my late round picks. Well, what are they projecting him to kind of do what they did? I mean, or are they even carded? You know, the the guy get a, the chance to start or they're just basing it on last year? Mm-hmm. I haven't really looked into, you know, what cards are there, but I don't know. It doesn't seem like it. I don't I'm not real excited about doing 162 games on a pre-play set. I mean, I'd be interested to hear what other people say. Feel free to send us a voicemail or message or something mm-hmm. to let us know what you think, but that doesn't really get me going. I'd rather buy a retro set like we've talked about my league, like by nineteen seventy seven, draft those, do that for a year, and then hopefully they'll play a full season in two thousand twenty one and then we just go from there. I I would rather do that. Um, They
0: do have on the website a PDF file that is the the teams and what players are on each team. So that could help people make some decisions. Um it is seventy five dollars for the cards. Uh so it's like buying, you know, regular set um so you know you you would think that you would want to to do something
1: with it um you know just if it were if if they do you know come up with a set for the 60 games i think that could be kind of fun Mm -hmm. it'd be interesting to see i mean of course you know it's only going to be what they did for 60 games and those other 100 games the guy might have really stunk you know what I'm saying? Well, and then but the other good thing is 60. But that would be interesting. I could see that be being interesting uh, for a league. But the pre play one, that does not do it for me at all.
0: The other thing with the 60 game season, it's besides just, it's going to be weird also because there's a DH throughout everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you're going to have people getting some more at bats that they may, might not have. But also, they're going to set up the schedule, from what I read, unless they change this. Uh, where, um, you know, leagues, like if you're in the NL East, you play teams from the NL or AL East, you know, they try to make it regional scheduling. So you're not going to see certain teams. And so your stats may be better or worse, depending on the Mm pitchers that you see from different, um, you know, leagues and, you know, different divisions. Um, So it's going to be very skewed. Um, yeah
1: i mean my league is a dh league so that would make that much of a difference but there's a lot of leagues that are not dh leagues or they're half and half or something and mm -hmm. pitchers don't hit at all i guess they would base them on their past performance if they had one you know um Mm -hmm. so that that definitely messes them up if if you have a non-dh league i think i I don't i don't know i mean i know app is trying to do what they can for this and and it's an interesting product I, i give them kudos for Trying to come up with something inventive and different, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the beautiful thing about baseball is that um, is the unexpected, and um, something that is just predicting like what I could read out of a fantasy baseball magazine, you know, mm-hmm. uh, for my fan- a fantasy league, you know, because as we know, you know, you've drafted fantasy teams. The mm-hmm. guys don't do that. They don't no. do what they usually. I mean, there's a handful of guys that do, but three fourths of them don't. They either overperform or underperform. Right. You know. So, um, it's not realistic. It, you know, and it doesn't have to you know, as we know when we do a replay or we do a season, it doesn't have to be exactly what um, the guy did, but the card does represent the performance and the card you might get from a pre-play does not represent what the guy you know, would it's, to me, it's not realistic. I, I just don't, I don't like yeah,
0: it. Yeah. It's, it's an unusual product that, um, you know, I think of a guy like John Cochran, he's going to have to have, you know, this set and the other, if he's going to keep completest sets, you know, but, um, yeah. I, um, it's odd. It's unique. Um, I don't think I want the cards. I don't know if I want electronic versions, you know, either appgo or BBW. Um, I am just not sure. you know. Well, here's
1: um, here's the thing. Let, let me pose it this way. If you did a pre-play, um, we know the pre-play is going to have our Detroit Tigers being awful.
2: Because mm-hmm.
1: they're supposed to be. So why would I want to play with that if I was just going like, to, let's say, replay the Tigers? Because they're going to be awful, and that's the way it is. But if they play a 60-game season, the Tigers still should be awful, but you never know. Mm -hmm. maybe they get hot and they have you know some guys that are just playing well, some other people get hurt, whatever goes on, and for some reason they make the playoffs. Just the craziest thing. That's the beauty of baseball. I want to buy that, okay? Mm -hmm. I don't want to buy – I mean, I expect the Tigers to be bad, but I like the possibility that they could be good, right, Mm -hmm. and that somebody could just go crazy and have a great year. You know what I'm saying? So the 60-game type thing definitely is more interesting. Yeah.
0: Right. Um, And I think that's kind of the same sorts of things come to mind when you think of other strike seasons. This isn't obviously a strike one, but like 81 and and 94 and stuff. You have um, those sorts of same sorts of thoughts on why you might want those seasons or something because there's some unique teams and people that had success and stuff.
1: It's Um, like the NCAA basketball tournament. And, you know, all the high seeds winning. That's kind mm-hmm. of like what that does in a way. You know, it's like, right. well, this and guy give, should do that. I give credit. I mean, I oh, know I did that yeah.
0: they had a lot of people that are really big into baseball and looking at stats and, and uh, projections and things. Uh, spend a lot of time putting this product together. And I, I'm sure it's a nice product. Yes. Um, but it, what some people spend the money on for what they do with the product I don't, it doesn't really, I mean.
1: It's a I, niche product. You know, only yeah. a certain type of, of uh, fan might want to, to spend their 75 bucks or really, I dollars to get it. Really, I
0: think who yeah. they're talking to is the people that miss baseball and want to have current people right now to play with um, and emulate a season. Um, kind of like what people do with, um, you know, like a PlayStation, you know. MLB the show or something like that, mm-hmm. where you can work through it. Um, and there's a reason why there's not a ton of pre-play product because yeah. that's not really,
1: it's a niche thing.
0: Yeah, but it could work. And I think I, I kudos for throwing out something. There. It'll be interesting
1: and, to see how it does. You know? And
0: it, and it does position the company business wise. They have a product that can be used for people that are that if they want to for a league it's an option gives mm-hmm. everyone an option if they want to do that if they do have a season they can go to that 60 game season if they want to um and they've made decisions and you know rather than what are you going to do what's going on they've already they, they, they've they made a go. decision yes here it is um so fine it's kind of cool to to see that yes so it is Um, so I was happy to hear that and,
1: um, you know, I'd be very interested, um, in listeners that, that buy the pre-play product to let us know what they think of it. If, if the, you buy it, please let us know what you think of it and how it plays and things like Mm -hmm.
0: that. I also think it would, uh, I, we would love to talk to somebody about that. The other thing I am really hoping that the 60 game season happens too, because I think this would be super unique. you'd have two twenty twenty card sets
1: mm-hmm yeah
0: you know what I'm saying like two completely different oh yeah, products for the season
1: and then like you go to a tournament and you're like, I'm using the twenty twenty nationals. what's one?
0: the pre-play or something i mean it's it's if if, if, you know what and that serves 2020 right because it's just a weird year yes (laughs) but but like it's like i really i really want to see that because that's never happened where you've had two entirely different
1: i want two products two baseball products this year and i don't ever want it to happen again (laughs)
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I'd like it to be uniquely just that. Remember back in 2020, you know, we're talking yes. like, you know, a long time from now, uh, when they, they had two products, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. Right. right. Um, but it, it looks like it has a good chance that might happen. Well, I
1: think it's going to, I think it, you know, right now I would say, yes, it's probably going to happen. Yeah.
0: hmm So that's kind of cool. And then what do people prefer and stuff? So um, good stuff. Um, We uh, we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we'll talk with Apple Hall of Famer, John Cochran. So please stay with us. well we'd like to welcome john cochran here to uh the double take podcast uh we're really excited to have him come talk about many things appa related um and one topic that we haven't really been able to get into is appa soccer and we're going to start off with that um in just a minute but thank you for joining us john on double take
3: it, it, this is entirely my pleasure guys i will uh... I have been known to go far and wide uh, to uh, for the privilege of, of running my mouth at people about Appa. So, uh, so you guys, uh, you guys uh, w- have offered me a wonderful opportunity here, and I couldn't be m- more pleased to be here.
0: Oh well, we're well, we're glad you. to have you. Yes. Um, so let's start off, a little Appa Soccer. Can you tell us kind of your origin with getting involved with Appa Soccer and the product that it is?
3: Well, before before it ever came on the market, as I was saying, I. I actually was involved with that, soccer. I wasn't involved at the very start of it, but I was involved with it before you, could, you guys uh, could go out and buy it. Um, uh, the, when, when the game was originally developed, of course, they wanted someone to beta test it. You have to beta test anything in this world. Well, if you've got a brain, you beta test anything in this world. And John Herson, who is uh, not by background a soccer person, his real background is American football, um, asked around the atma community uh okay who do we have around here that a really knows his atma but b also is uh, a really big soccer person a really big soccer fan and and not at all surprisingly my name came up there um uh, i don't know exactly what the, who told who what but uh mm. but my name came up there and so john Erson contacted me and said if i send you some uh, some files that were just Excel spreadsheets. At that point, there was nothing formal. Will you play this game a little bit and tell me what you think and, and tell me what we need to do with it? And uh, and I did, and we went through some of that. And, uh, and lo and behold, uh, and interestingly enough, the version that I beta tested uh, had some more complexity to it than what came on the market, but I think, mm-hmm. and I didn't really object to that, but I also didn't object to them reducing uh some of the complexity because uh we all understand that uh, that accuracy is one thing in in uh in gaming but uh play value is mm-hmm, is yeah. another thing that's, Playability, uh, that's yeah. very much of a term of art in the in the world of 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 putting together and marketing games of all of all types and uh that was and the play and and the the, the one change they made to simplify it a little bit uh definitely helped the play value also helped the accessibility to people who are not soccer people. So it came on the market. Then I thought the game, I thought the basic structure of the game was fantastic. I thought it played well. Uh, and, uh, and, and I thought there was really, you know, a great opportunity for the game company there. And plus I am, as I say my, the three sports that I am truly a fan of are baseball, basketball, and soccer, hmm. uh, not necessarily in that order. So I was very happy to see Atla come out with the soccer game. I was a little bit—I was thinking a little bit at the time. I didn't know. Okay, soccer isn't isn't like baseball or basketball from an American point of view, where you know what league or leagues you're going to publish. Mm-hmm. Soccer is, you know, what you know. There's all sorts of things. You know, every country's got a league. Yes. Then you've got the Champions League. Then you've got the national teams. Da 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 da.
1: The most and international of sports, probably. It's the,
3: it is. And it's a story about that that I'll defer to later, if at all. But anyway, the, and what what wound up happening is that, that he publishes all of the big five European leagues. He publishes a Champions League last 16 set. He publishes MLS, and he publishes World Cup sets. And what this does does is give John, with soccer, an advantage that he doesn't have in the other sports. If you are a person that just buys the current year's set, in baseball, American football, basketball, hockey, what have you, you buy, John Hurston collects for you, from you for one set a year. In soccer, even if you're just buying the current stuff, he's collecting five, six, seven sets a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, from his point of view, there's a, there's a very big business advantage there. Uh, and, and and he can be sure that there are certain, you know, people will buy one or two sets, whatever leagues they follow, and then there will be people like me who, of course, buy them all. Yeah. Because that's me. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the... Uh, the, uh, the the I won't mention the name of one fellow Hall of Famer who uh, who who doesn't even have to bother to place orders with John Herson he simply uh, John Herson knows that anytime he publishes anything he simply sells it, the first set to this one Hall of famer <laughs> uh, but I won't uh, but I'm not at liberty to tell you who that is. it's not me because I don't there are sports I don't follow but uh, but uh, then what happened with the soccer game a few years after it came out I don't know if you guys were playing it or following it at all the packaging changed and the rule book was rewritten and the rewrite on that rule book was something that I was very heavily involved in because quite the original rule book, quite frankly, okay. In terms of selling the game in this country, you would probably reasonably okay. But if he ever wanted, and I don't know if he ever wants to uh, try to market the game in say the UK or, uh, or um, uh, the, 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 uh, the uh excuse me a second here all right that's fine. if he ever wants to say try to market the game in the uk and i don't and i'm not sure there would be a market but there were so many americanisms and terminology in the original rule book uh and he needed someone who understood the uk how europeans discuss what they call football to cleanse some of that for instance uh and it sounds like a small thing but believe you me if you put it something like this on a store shelf in, 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 in Sheffield, you'd get laughed off the island. Uh, <laughs> there was reference in there to the, to the people who play right in front of the goalkeeper in soccer as being defensemen. <laughs> no, there's no such thing as a defenseman in soccer. Uh, that's a hockey term. Those right. people are defenders. Doesn't sound like a big thing, but you couldn't market in Europe with that, with that terminology. They, you'd, you'd be laughed. you know, go, who, who let these bloody Yanks think they can do anything with football in a way you'd be gone? Little <laughs> things like that. Um, so I've been involved with the game from the beginning. I've played the game from the beginning. I love it. Uh, it is in point of fact now. And mind you, this statement is limited to the three sports that I follow for, but I've been playing the, I started playing at in 1968, uh, which is <laughs> don't bother to tell me how many years before you were born. That was, I don't, <laughs> don't need the reminder, but, uh, uh, and I've played all sorts of games. I've played Atlas games and played other people's games uh at the soccer in terms of balancing realism with play value fun to play and still giving you a realistic product score sheet is one of the three best dice driven tabletop sims i have ever played in my whole life Mm -hmm. the only two that i would put in the same category are the old fast break basketball that existed in the 70s and 80s which is the for my money the only real viable basketball sin that's ever been done unfortunately it has been out of print for 30 some years and of course Atma's basic baseball is the is the is the king uh, that's mm-hmm, that's yeah. the, uh, that's the absolute king yeah you can do things to make things more statistically accurate uh, one of Atma's major competitors uh, you know the, the adherence to it always say well it's statistically far more accurate yeah but playing it isn't like having fun it's like doing accounting yeah mm-hmm. which which have, being a retired accountant, I should know. So uh, <laughs> that's, uh, you're not having any fun at it, precisely what is the point? So uh, so I, I really love Athens soccer game. The one thing I like to tell people, two things I like to tell people, and I will use the name of another Hall of Famer here, he'll probably say in vain. Roy Langens, who uh, is of course the absolute, you know, Dean of Atba fans, uh, and somebody I've known for many years because he's right up the road in Baltimore. Um, was also not a soccer person. He's the wrong generation, the wrong part of the country, everything else. Uh, but being a loyal APA person, he bought the soccer game and then had had me explain to him, you know, what's the difference between the English league and the German league? You know, what is what is the world of soccer? What is he trying to simulate? Uh, he became absolutely hooked on the darn thing and did a major replay project with all the different leagues and just, just loved it just because it was that good of a game. Mm. Um, the other thing I try to tell people is look at those of us who play solo replays are always trying, oh, gee, but doing a complete replay is tough. Well, there's a way you can say you did with the soccer game, you can cheat a little bit say you did a complete replay on something and be accurate without killing time. The, last, the soccer set they put out every year for the last 16 of the Champions League, because that's a knockout competition, you can do a complete replay of that set by playing 29 games because That's all, all that is involved in the last 16 of the Champions League. Uh, the, the it's a knockout competition, the everything but the final is two legged ties, and then the final is a single game, and it comes to 29 games, trust me. So, the um, and, and that's good. The game plays well, you can play it, you can easily, once you get used to it, which doesn't take long, knock a game out in under an hour. It's oh, yeah. Really, but even field, for
1: somebody that's not that familiar with soccer, like, mm-hmm. you know, asking for a friend? Yeah.
3: <laughs> uh, it's even for someone that's not that familiar with soccer. The biggest problem that they have with the soccer game, and I think maybe, you know, maybe one day we'll have to go back and look through we'll book again on this, but i leave it to John Hurston. People seem to have a devil of a time getting their first game started. Mm. Uh, and a lot of that, I think, is, is lack of familiarity with the sport, which you don't yeah. have with the other at the games. Uh, most Americans are familiar enough with all the other – the sports behind all the other at the games. You know, I'm not a fan of American football, but I, have a, you know, I know the difference between a guard and a tackle, and I know there's on the side and all the rest of that. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people, a lot of Americans don't know that for soccer. It depends on where you live and what age you are and things like that. And I've helped a lot of people with that over time. There was one time where John Hershey said to me, hey, you know, this guy got this guy up in Pennsylvania. can't get a game started I said fine we got on a phone call I was on the phone with him for half an hour uh, uh, getting him set up another half an hour he played one half of the game and then he said he was ready to go so Mm -hmm. uh, and I've done that at conventions with people Uh, you know sat down and showed them the game and the presentations I do at the conventions on the soccer game are different than the other presentations if you go to uh, the football presentations at the convention which are invariably done by Greg Barrett and Ray Dunlap uh, also, oftentimes, Greg Wells participates in that. Um, uh, it's very much about esoterica. Uh, when I do the soccer presentation, I assume that I that I, I'm only half teaching at the soccer. I'm half teaching soccer, mm-hmm. and uh, and it helps. I think one of the things that helps is not only I've always been a soccer fan, but for years I was a referee in the youth soccer leagues around. This area, mm-hmm. so I, my knowledge of the actual rules of the game of soccer are better than even the even the average intense fan because you know if, if you ever train to officiate a sport, you find that you learn a lot more about the rules than you thought you, there was to know. And uh, <laughs> that's true. In anything. And that's uh, definitely true. The fact that I, you know, the fact that I can explain. There's only really one complicated rule of soccer, and that's the offside rule. And the fact that I spent years having to explain that to irate parents of <laughs> Of eight-year-olds whose parents thought they were incorrectly that they were going to be the American Uh, (laughs) Pele, you know, after you do that on on a field a few times, uh, it 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 becomes fairly easy. So uh, so it's an absolutely fantastic game. But yeah, nowadays in the in the United States, virtually all of the English Premier League games are available either on TV or streaming in this country. Most of the German Bundesliga games a lot of the Spanish, Italian games, even some of the French league games. Uh, so if people you know, want to say, well, gee, what am I trying to, uh, to, uh, you know, to, to uh, simulate? Uh, spend your, t- take a, sa- a weekend, spend your Saturday and Sunday mornings staring at NBC Sportsnet, which have all of Saturday and Sunday mornings usually devoted to the English Premier League. And, uh, and you'll get a good flavor for it all. And then you as I say, that's a set. That's usually the first set out for a year. And, uh, and, and it's, uh, and, and you can, you can go with that. The nice thing about the soccer, uh, the card sets come with a card for every player that played a competitive game for that team for the year. Hmm. You don't have to worry about that sort of stuff. Uh, the only thing you have to be careful of is that because of that, and this is, I think, unique to soccer at the soccer is that if a guy got transferred midway through the season, he'll end up with, with cards on two different teams.
2: And oh, okay. they
3: will card them both ways. It's, they don't do it like they do in baseball.
1: Yeah, or well, it's just on the last team or whatever.
3: whatever. In two different league sets for that year, if they transferred, say, at the January transfer window from the English League to the Italian League, I can put one player right off the top of my head that did that this year. And, yeah, uh, you know, um, uh, Erickson, who played for Tottenham in England uh, from the start of the season to January, is now playing for Inter Milan, and he'll end up with cards in both the English League set and the mm-hmm. Italian League set. But but the completeness there for those of us who are collectors of cards and like that is a very big plus.
1: Yeah, that's kind of cool. That, and plus, is this, is it accurate as far as the stats for each team that is on? You know.
3: Uh yeah as well. yeah. yeah so yeah, that's they, cool. They, it won't be the same card for both teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, they will take they will they will make those you know they will make that work. Uh, and that's that's particularly true in soccer because oftentimes, not all, you know some guys know obviously not with the goalkeepers central defenders but particularly with attacking players or midfield players, they may play a very different position with their new team than with with the old team Uh, uh, that you get. There's a lot more fluidity of who's playing what position in soccer. It's, uh, I guess, much more like American football than it is like baseball and that even what positions are on the, on the field at a given time, uh, you know, that's uh, different formations. You know, there may be a position that one team has, so-and-so playing as the right-sided defensive midfielder the other team may not have a right sided defensive midfielder they may only be playing one defensive midfielder in that game uh so you get a lot of that sort of stuff in soccer and so you have to it would have to be very different um mm-hmm. uh, uh, it's uh it's you know it, it, and and that's that's the uh you know because soccer unlike a lot of the other sport a lot of other sports uh you know the only position that is specified in the rules of soccer is the goalkeeper. Hmm. So right. Under the rules, you have a goalkeeper, and you have 10 other guys, and the 10 other guys can run around everywhere and do whatever they want. Yeah. So that's, and the formation will sometimes change with no change in personnel.
1: That's kind of <laughs> kudos to, to the game company for being so specific uh, with the different cards. I mean, that seems like it's really good for, for the big fans like you guys, you know? Yeah.
3: The problem they did have early on is with how they presented the names on the cards because the problem that you have in soccer well first of all you've got people whose names come from very different cultures or very different naming conventions Mm -hmm. Uh, again going back to my favorite english team Tottenham, uh you know they've got one they've got a they've got one very good player on that team that happens to be south korean well south korea well korean language is like chinese language the family name goes first the given name comes after Mm-hmm. uh to say nothing of hispanic culture where where behind your family name that you really go by is usually your mother's maiden name yes to say nothing of the fact that virtually all brazilian a lot of portuguese and some spanish players play under a single name and that single name may be a pseudonym mm. okay if they you know to use an easy example if someone presented you an ABBA card and the name on it was Edson Orantes, and they said, this is a famous soccer player, you'd say, well, I never heard of it. Well, yes, you have. The name he played under was Pele. <laughs> but Pele has nothing to do with what's on his birth certificate or his driver's license. Never did. Mm-hmm. Um, this goes back to the days when, uh, in the, you know, when uh, being a professional athlete, this was, uh, was considered to be a disreputable profession, and so people played under assumed names uh and it's obviously that has been true for decades but uh, traditions do die hard in the world of sports right, uh, yeah. so that so you get that sort of stuff they had a lot of problem in how they presented those names in the early years they have pretty well cleaned that up uh but the but they had to get out of the mindset of okay the last name goes here and the official given names here and then maybe a nickname in between uh, right, and and like the, the old baseball cards print, or and something. And the other names are in small print. Yeah, they had to they had to cure themselves of that before they could get cards that people could recognize. Mm-hmm.
0: But, because it is a very, uh, out of all the products that they have, the probably the, uh, it's got to be the most international. I mean, I know you could have some golf possibly. But and hockey
1: it, too. Is yeah, amazing. a
0: little bit with hockey. But because of all the international leagues, um, yeah. I know they sell a lot of product outside of North America. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's definitely a different market. You know, it's a unique market, I'm sure. And I think that's what you were mentioning earlier with yeah. with John Herson, too, kind of recognizing that. When you're doing things, do you kind of? I know you're a completist when it comes to getting, you know, sets and stuff. But mm-hmm. when you're when you're going through, um, you mentioned that you have a favorite, you know, English, you know, team and so forth. But do you just kind of move from one to another, or is there a particular favorite league or? Uh, you know, tournament or something that you like, or how do you normally approach that?
3: The thing that I do each year that I get on top of each year. First is that champions league, uh, last 16 of the champions league knockout set. Mm
2: -hmm. And the reason
3: for that very simply is that the champions league. um, uh, I don't want to take up time with, with something that's not useful here. Should I explain what the champions league is for anybody who might be listening, who is saying, what in the heck is that? Yes, you should. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's, that's no, I, I don't know you know i have to you know i have to just i can't see the looks on it's not like at the convention where i can see the looks on the faces there and i say champions league and six people look at me and say what in the heck is that and then i know i have to back up um the in europe every year and actually the other continents have it too but europe's the one that matters um the uh because the european leagues are the best leagues because that's where the most money is uh that's where the most tv contract is to pay players to come the european every year at the end of the European club season, each country gets one or more. The or more is, dis, is based on how good the traditionally, how good statistically, it's all very, it's not like the NCAA tournament. There's no committee that votes on it. It's very empirically, statistically driven so mm-hmm. to keep the political fights from getting out of control. Uh, but one team, if you're Kosovo, or four teams, if you're Spain or England, are allowed then next year to play in an extra competition called the Champions League. This is the other thing that's weird about soccer is that teams don't just play in their own league. Uh, A top European team will play generally in four different competitions in a year, mostly in their own domestic league. Mm -hmm. But they will also have a couple of domestic cups, things like the FA Cup or the League Cup. And then they will play in this thing called the Champions League, which starts out, well, actually, the qualifying rounds for next year's next season's Champions League are already late starting because of the virus (laughs) Mm. because the teams like Kosovo and Gibraltar, the the champion of Kosovo and the champion of Gibraltar would be playing a qualifying round now if we were on normal schedule, but they play that down and then teams enter whatnot. They play it down to where in September of each year, there are 32 European teams, again, all from the top based on the prior year's performance in their own leagues that then play uh. essentially a miniature World Cup for the remainder of the fall. They Mm. split them into eight groups, uh, four teams each. They play a double round robin, home and home. Then the top two teams in each of those eight groups become what is called the last 16 of the Champions League. That is, those 16 teams are what APA publishes every year. Mm. They then come back in the spring, play uh, a knockout competition that's two-sided ties, home and home, uh, uh, down to a final, and the final is a single neutral site like the Super Bowl. Hmm. Uh, it was supposed to be in Istanbul this year. That's not going to happen. That's been changed because of because everything's been changed because everything we knew six months ago is wrong. But hmm. uh, the um, and but what you wind up with there, those last sixteen, even a, a, the most casual of soccer fans will recognize every year fourteen or fifteen of those sixteen team names, and they will hmm. recognize the best half a dozen players each on almost all of them it's the best of the best it's the it, it, it's you know it's it's as I say it's you know okay it be on a given year well if the English season ended now then for next year it would be Liverpool Manchester City Leicester City who's a little bit of an outlier although they've done it before and Chelsea okay well at least three of those four teams you've heard of if you're not a soccer fan And the German teams, Bayern Munich, Borussia Dortmund, da-da-da, Spain, always Barcelona, always Real Madrid, uh, always Juventus in Italy, they're always right there in those last 16. And for a casual fan who doesn't want to be burdened with playing a whole bunch of teams that he never heard of, I mean, let's face it, if you're playing, you know, Burnley versus um, versus, uh, Huddersfield Town in the English League, the odds that you know even one of those players, if you're a casual fan, are fairly slim. But I might not know any of them right off the top. But uh, it's it's the best of the best. And once again, 29 games, which means about 29 hours of play, and you've played the darn thing out. Hmm. And uh, right. and so I always start there. Then, generally, I next go to the English league. Uh, that's the one. That's really not my primary soccer Uh, you know, not in my heart of hearts, but the one that's in my heart of hearts, uh, he doesn't publish each year and he shouldn't, which is the Scottish league. And, um, because my grandfather was a Scottish amateur is where that all comes from. But, uh, the English league is, yeah, I watch the English league closely. I do watch virtually every Tottenham game. And, uh, so that's the next thing that I, that I play with, you know, even, even if you wanted to play out the entire English league, premier league for a year. Let's see. Uh, 380 games.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm, it's a that's a lot of games.
3: You know, replays go, that's not that bad, particularly when you're talking about less than an hour a game. Oh, uh, man, there's that's a, true. a lot you can do with it. Uh, but I generally go to that. Uh, the next league I'm closest familiar with is probably the German league. Um, more through some friends of mine than anything else. Uh, uh, I you know I have no particular allegiance to Bayern Munich, but because of some friends of mine, I've seen a lot of their games in recent years, and that's you know that's one of the top half a dozen clubs in the world. Uh, so those are the ones I tend to go to the quickest. People ask me, well, what about MLS? Well, if you're if you're a, a world soccer fan, MLS is the equivalent about uh, the equivalent of maybe watching a ball.
0: Mm, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry.
3: Um,
0: that's uh, what I've always kind of got the impression of. Yeah,
3: yeah, it's. It's, uh, you know, it's you – want, you want to root for your home team. Uh, I was at D.C. United's first home game ever back in 1996, whenever the heck it was. Uh, but, uh, but it's hard to watch when you're used to watching the good European leagues. <laughs> it really yeah. is. Yeah,
0: and I, and I think uh, if you <laughs> have a, a franchise in your city – you know, you live in Chicago, yeah. you got a team or something, you know, that's great. But if yeah. not, you're probably not really paying
3: attention. Yeah, yeah. Now, would you say... We not, not only had a franchise here, but it was the most successful MLS right. franchise in the early years mm-hmm. uh, and had several well-known names uh, that people knew after the 94 World Cup. And so we sort of got a head start on it. Right. And now we have a nice soccer stadium right next to the Nationals Park, which helps. But, um, mm-hmm. but, uh, but that's because RFK, everybody always loved RFK, but the next time the Big Bad Wolf comes to town rfk could be in danger it's, people mm. forget that's a darn near a 60 year old building now mm. yeah. so,
0: so now if good. somebody was to start you know they wanted to purchase you know appa soccer for 30 mm-hmm. bucks and yeah. i think you get like some classic european teams would you say a good play it, it, it gets, uh, addition would four be of
3: the teams from the champions league is what you get
0: oh okay so yeah. really, it, you know, if you had a Champions League set that you're really going to get some kind of greatest hit sort of teams from a season. And yeah. that's a really probably a good way to to kind of yeah. kick off for somebody yeah. who's kind of looking. All right. That that makes sense. And, you know, we we always have some listeners that um, are thinking about different products and stuff but that you know they sometimes wonder well how would I go about doing that you know there's probably yeah. some
1: casual fans that you know they don't really know where to start and the big thing I'm wondering too because you know I would I'm not a big soccer fan at all but um, what specifically I mean you get people hooked on soccer that are not soccer fans on Apple soccer why mm. do you think that they get hooked on Apple soccer even though they're not really a big fan at all yeah. what do you think the well, game does for that
3: what we will politely call the Roy Langens effect Uh, I'm quite sure that Roy Langan's played by the, within a week of getting the soccer game, it played more games of Apple soccer than he had ever watched live in his life. Um, uh, I'm quite sure of that. I just know I know him well enough for that. He again was, well, he grew up in, in Baltimore in the days of Johnny Unitas. So his idea of football had nothing to do with soccer, Mm -hmm, but, mm -hmm. um, uh, it's because it plays as well as it plays. When I talk about the play value of the game, when I talk about fun to play, uh this one is really right up there guys it is okay. really that good and plus the game of soccer even if you don't know it well but in but soccer now this is tough for americans we all grow up on baseball and we all understand all of its intricacies baseball is a complicated game okay if you're not in, from america getting up to speed on what's really going on in a baseball game doesn't happen overnight mm, uh right. i mean well this this the story i always tell of My father and grandfather uh, attending game seven of the 1924 world series my father was 10 years old at the time he made my grandfather take him but then he had to sit there and explain the game to my grandfather because my grandfather was not originally from this country and really had a rudimentary understanding of baseball um but soccer is just the opposite it is the rules of soccer are as simple as any of the team sports by far um it is that's one of the reasons it's become an international game. And this is not, this is sounds funny, but it's not a joke. You can have international. You have two teams that don't speak the same language. And the referee speaks a third language. Doesn't really matter. Right. The ability to speak the same language to, uh, as the other team and the referees doesn't really do anything in soccer because it's that simple of a game. The entire official rules of soccer fit easily. I think on at about 10 point type on two sides of a a letter size sheet of paper. I mean, it's not a big deal. Uh, the offside rule is the only one that is that is a weird mess. And that's worse of a weird mess for Americans because they're so wired into the football offside rule that they don't understand – the American football offside rule, they don't understand that the one in soccer is entirely, Or hockey. <laughs> uh, or hockey, <laughs> and it's entirely different. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. Because the one – yeah, the, the and, and it has to do with the fact that, that what puts you on or offside in soccer is fluid. It's not a fixed line right. uh, or even a line that was fixed by the line of scrimmage. Um, it you know where being on or offside in soccer can move you know can move in half a second uh so uh so it's very very difficult for people and uh but other than that, the rules of the game are very very simple uh that's why it's such a great kid sport that's why it's you can you can get people from two entirely different parts of the world plop them on a field and they can play it without getting into a hassle over the rules uh and so, yeah, learning what you're trying to simulate is easier than baseball or American football, certainly. Uh, and uh, and then the game plays really, really well. And again, there are names unless you're unless you're living, you know, in an absolute hole or you're some sort of conscientious objector. Particularly mm-hmm. if you get that Champions League set, there's names in there. You know, you know mm-hmm. the name of Lionel Messi. You know the name of Cristiano Ronaldo. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that's uh, that's you know those are those are not names that are unknown. I say unless you're you know, you know, unless you've, you know, just came out of the cave and still think World War II is going on. Uh, so, that's, uh, so 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 that's And those names will be in that Champions League set. And you start there. Now, if somebody's a little more than a non-fan, if they have a casual fandom of some team, one team or another, MLS team, European team, whatnot, then I might suggest they get the, the set, start with the set for the league that their team is in. If they don't right. know much about soccer, but they know they're a Bayern Munich fan, then buy the German league set. Uh, if they don't know much about soccer, but they say live in Columbus and go to the crew games and buy the MLS set, um, it, uh, you know, it's all a question of, of, uh, you know, if, if we, if it was a year, it only happens every four years where we just had a world cup and you watch the world cup cause it's all over the TV by the world cup set. Uh, you know, that's, uh, right. it's all out there for you. Um, uh, that's, that's, uh, that, and, and that's, and, and you can have a great deal of fun with that.
0: When you look at um, the soccer cards, I imagine, but I'm just want to kind of confirm this, you know, yeah. we, we'll look at baseball cards or golf yeah. card or whatever. Uh, and you have, you know, you, I'm sure you are really good at reading the cards. Like you can like, yeah. kind of see what, you know, what, um, is it similar to some other games? I mean, is, is a one really good to have yeah. still, or, you yeah. know, that sort of thing. I mean, if you could give the, a, just a simple idea of that. Re- that would real, be real
3: simply now I'm now important here. The goalkeepers' cards are entirely different.
0: Right. Okay. It's
3: an entirely different kettle of fish. They're easy to read. The more tens there are, goalkeepers' cards only have result numbers, red numbers, one through ten. The more tens on there, the more your goalkeeper is what they used to call me when I was a goalkeeper, the human sieve, mm-hmm. because ten is the result where the where they where the shot that was just taken went went through went you mm-hmm. know went into the net. Okay. That's it for the goalkeepers' cards. You don't have to worry about that for the. For the outfield players' cards, if you real simple, if you're looking for somebody who's gonna generate a lot of a lot of shots on goal or a lot of chances for his teammates, it's very much like baseball. You're looking for those single digit numbers. Okay. Okay. That's where the good results are. Uh, uh, now you're gonna now that doesn't help you much with the defensive players because they don't have a lot of those numbers to start with, they don't shoot a lot. Uh, for the defensive players, you want to get a little more sophisticated. You want to – the defensive players, you want to watch out if they've got too many numbers in the late 30s and high 40s because that's a lot of turnovers. Okay. Uh, uh, there's, you know, that sort of thing. Now, I could go on, but, you know, that's, that's – uh, we'd be losing people in minutiae here. But <laughs> yeah. uh, it won't take you long of looking at the boards and playing the game to be able to figure it out. It's much more intuitive than it even was when I first played the baseball game.
1: Yeah. Uh, now, I'm just wondering – does the game, um, like passing and all the other stuff, does it kind of do that for you, or you got to figure out who's getting the ball and stuff like oh, that? Oh
3: no, no, it, it for the most part does that for you. You have some managerial chance to inflect it, but it's very much like being a soccer manager. And the old adage in soccer is that given the limited substitutions and, and the no timeouts, that the soccer manager's get job is ninety nine percent done once he puts the eleven names on the team sheet. Right. Okay. That's, very little effect left. Um, the, the uh, the game pretty well leads you through all of that. The other thing to remember, and this is something I have to, because people get bogged down in this. The game does not try to account for every kick of the ball. Okay. Uh, okay. It can't. If it did, it couldn't do it in an hour. You couldn't do it the day. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you've ever watched it, watched a really high class soccer match, uh, the uh, you account for ball movement and possession essentially every thirty seconds. Okay. Okay. And uh, and how many touches there were in between there and by who, doesn't really make a lot of difference. A classic play is okay. You've got the ball uh, in the say you're bringing the ball out of the back. Uh, Your 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 defense has intercepted the ball. You're bringing it out of the back. Um, uh, Now you're going to try to start a play. You will roll the dice for the defender or whoever's got the ball. Probably you know, assumedly near center near midfield. And what you're going to get back is a result generally, unless you get it. Well, good result from there would be, okay, I'm go, I've, I've got the ball only this far out from goal. I'm still in possession. Maybe I'm just outside the penalty area or maybe in the corner, which would be very good. And player number X has the ball and the players, you rate your, your, your 10 outfield players at the start of the game by each player is rated for how much he goes forward. Okay. how often he comes forward, which isn't necessarily a function of, of position in soccer because it can get very weird. Uh, and, uh, okay, and if, for instance, off of that roll, I get a, uh, I get something like a, a C2. Okay, that means my second most offensively-minded player's got the ball in the corner. Okay, well, if, if I started my play 30 seconds earlier at midfield, that's a nice result. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, I'm yeah. very much on the attack. Uh, of course, I could roll something that says – uh sorry the uh the defense has intercepted a pass or you know they've got okay. your play out i can roll sorry your guy with the ball just committed a foul i can roll well, lucky you your guy with the ball just got fouled mm. uh i can rule sorry the the pass forward was offside uh and then there is and there's exactly one of these on each card a reference to uh what master game players would recognize as a rare play chart
2: hmm. okay. okay
3: uh and that's uh, and you go on from and you go on from there and you can get and that's where you can get injuries and all sorts of other strange things. I managed to talk John Hurston out of adding a pitch invasion on there uh, because, uh, in point of fact, the days of, of fans regularly invading the pitch in in high-level European games uh, <laughs> that that's, that's that was over several decades ago. They figured out how to stop that. Yeah. So uh, so that's uh, that's you know that's an eighties phenomenon. So, so uh, those sorts of things. So, so and, timing so far, though, timing, how does
1: the timing work on it? And you do uh, you have to like, make marks.
3: There are certain dice rolls anytime you refer to a player's card and certain other charts in the game that you refer to in the chart booklet that are okay. Mark 30 seconds off. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you've essentially got 90 plays and the, and the standard at the score sheet has a place to mark it off Okay. for that way. There are, there are things that cause there to be extra time. If you've ever watched a professional soccer game, right, you know, yeah. the injuries, injuries and, and time got wasted by something, a goal celebration, an injury, a substitution, you know, uh, the plague of frogs, you name it. A guy uh,
1: faking it, an, an there, injury.
3: <laughs> there are ways to, end, to, to deal with that. And, uh, and you go from there. Uh, and, but then there are certain other things. Okay, trying to figure out which player has the ball. That's that's a rule that you don't mark time off on because that's just, you know, that's that's an administrative thing. The game is very well constructed. in that
0: regard. It sounds mm-hmm. like it. Now, do they have um, specific things for like uh, corner kicks and set pieces and things like Absolutely. that? Or is that? Yeah. Absolutely. Is that more of a master game thing or is that no, no, uh, is part no of the basic? Um, oh, OK. Uh,
3: there, there, there is only one version of it that's out there. There are okay. some awesome rules, but there is no separate master game. Actually, like, that's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the, um, one of the things, the biggest thing I, I successfully talked them out of when I was beta testing, it was very clear that whoever had devised this part of the game had watched way too much of their kids' youth soccer and not enough pro soccer. <laughs> um, I don't know if you know the difference between a direct or and indirect kick in soccer, and if not, whether or not I want to explain that. I know, but, but, it, but yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah there are certain free kicks that you get for a foul that um, if you kick the ball from there straight into the goal, it counts. That's a direct kick. There mm-hmm. are others where it's got to have another touch first. That's an indirect kick. Um, indirect kick fouls, with the exception of offside, don't occur in professional soccer. They occur in your kid's soccer game. They don't occur in professional soccer. Right. The things that you can get called for an indirect kick for in professional soccer, either A, don't happen, or B, they're overlooked because these are professionals. And whether or not somebody kicked too high without – without running into somebody is just simply not something we were going to stop a game for. Mm-hmm. They had originally that, 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 that anytime you had a foul, you did a 50, 50 roll for direct or indirect free kick. And I talked, and I would successfully said no, because I had just, at the time I had just, I think got done watching all of the 1998 World Cup either live or having taped it all. And I think I saw one indirect kick foul in the entire 64 games of the mm, World Cup. Right. And and you just now, offside's an indirect kick and that's it, in the Atma Soccer game, that's it. You get an indirect kick on offside. Everything else is direct. There is a way, um, if you're in the closest area to the goal and on offense and get a, pe- and get a foul called, there's a one out of three roll as to whether that was inside the box for a penalty or outside the box for a regular old direct kick. For every foul, there is a roll for the person committing the foul to see if he got a card. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yellow or red. Um, yeah, that's all Which taken into account. Uh, you get to pick who takes your corner kick. Every player is rated for it, uh, for how good they are at it. But, uh, but you roll the dice to see who actually came down with, the, with <laughs> who was on the receiving end. Uh, it's it's pretty well constructed. Hmm. Um, throw like in, it. It's all accounted for.
0: Now, John, would you say... I mean, I, with other experiences, I you know, and I'm I'm guessing soccer's like this, but I I want to confirm it with you, um, that um, if you are big in the soccer, you still learn more about the game and the history of the game by playing APA soccer. Or if you weren't, you could it could be a good gateway into understanding what's going on in current soccer world and things like that. I mean, you know, like you can kind of kind of learn the history. Of these yeah. sports through it is that same experience with soccer.
3: Uh, the only reason it might be a little less with soccer is that we don't have a lot of retro sets. Okay. Okay. There are some. There are some great teams of the past, the great national teams of the past, like 1958 Brazil, which is the the uh, the, the team which uh, a 17 year old Pele announced himself to the world mm-hmm. and won the World Cup and things like that. But um, there's no there's no set for, say, the 1970, 71 premier English top league or anything like that. that. Uh, Also, but I'm also the wrong one to ask, because my by the time I came out with a soccer game, my knowledge of the history of soccer was probably Better than ninety nine percent of the Americans.
0: Right. Okay. Do you think that there's room for um, going well, in with some great teams and stuff?
3: And coming out with the retro cards, man, did I learn a lot. Um, hmm. uh, but I, I hit, I hit it at the wrong time of life. And again, we don't have all those retro sets, and it was probably going to be tough to create them because there are things like passing completion statistics.
1: Yeah, that they probably that do. Were
3: well, even nowadays, you have to dig to find those. Those aren't mm. published like they were in, you know, like uh, they, those are our stats. that are not widely published, and yeah. I'm not sure that they exist for thirty, forty years ago. Yeah. And without them, it's going to be hard to to, to to you know, you're going to be guessing at a lot of what goes on the card.
0: Mm-hmm. You'd almost so, have to go with reputation or something. You know, yeah,
3: and 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 but doing reputation for an entire. 2014 yeah. English First Division from the early 70s. Not about. impossible. Yeah. <laughs> you know, 90 yeah. of those guys, I don't recognize the news. Uh, right. It's to be, you know, it's just to be just like, you know, you know, do you, re- you know, how accurate could you, if you had to go on a reputation, how accurate would the hitting tablet be on a, on a, on a old, uh, you know, George Susie card or something like that? Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who George? How do I know who George Susie was? Because he was the Senators bullpen coach at the first game I ever went to. That's why. Uh, <laughs> that's, <laughs> things like that uh you know that's uh yeah they baseball's history of, of, of keeping detailed statistics is a, and even american footballs is a lot stronger than soccer and uh and even i mean there are some well uh when it comes to the women's world cup john can't really do a full 32 two team set of that because those women's teams Play so few games and and the stats right. are so that they're hard to come by, and uh, and which is a shame, but uh, but he can't do it, so he does like the last four or something like that.
2: Right. Whereas for the
3: men's World Cup, yeah, he can do all thirty-two of those national teams somehow or another. Somebody's got stats on North Korea's men's team. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. That's, that's... <laughs>
0: So um, there are a couple other things, I mean, I, I've learned a lot already here about APA soccer, but I thought we okay. maybe could talk about um, a couple other things that you're involved with APA wise. Yep. And uh, one of those that I'd like to touch on is your large APA baseball card collection or just Appa collection in general. And uh, what, you know, maybe some details on that and uh, cool. what, what, what inspires you? you know, to do that, how you store it, you know, just whatever kind of comes to mind there. But I know you have a very large one. You're kind of known for that, one of the largest ones in existence, I think, right?
3: I I have probably, I'm probably not being hyperbolic when I say I've got one of the best dozen collections there is, Um, if for no other reason, because I actually do have complete sets of like 1950, 1951, 1952 original. Mm. Uh, And those, those are the holy grail. Those are Mm -hmm. those those three and the original 13 great teams of the past that were done in what is called the A format, i.e. no double column, no fast and slow, no WXYZ, the pre-1957 APA format. Mm -hmm. Uh, There were 13, the the original 13 great teams of the past were done in that format and then redone later. Those are the holy grail. Those are the hard ones to get. And I've got those. Uh, I started, well, I started playing the game. And first got the game uh, 52 years ago this month, June of 1968. I had uh, watched from close range the 1967 American League pennant race. My home team was not uh, in the race, but they played spoiler in it. They knocked a couple of teams out of it in September. And I desperately wanted to recreate all of that, and that caused me to buy that. And I bought pretty much as going forward, each all the baseball cards as they came out. I mean, I was hooked from day one. so i had to begin with everything you got to realize they weren't issuing retro sets or or other stuff like that they had the great teams of the past and the annual set and that was it when i started so all i was missing in terms of just single season sets let's let's go there all i was originally missing was the first 17 years because i originally bought the 67 sets of 50 through 66. well i had acquired more or less by accident um, People I was playing in a league with here. Washington's a transient place; people move a lot. They don't always move all their stuff. Mm-hmm. I had acquired 62 through 66 from guys in our local league who essentially just left and, and gave them to me or sold them to me because they didn't want to move them. Uh, and so I was only missing the original 12 cents. Right. To begin with. And beginning. You're like, I can do this. Well, <laughs> I I never really thought about it. Again, we're talking about time. You know, I was. In it. Grade school, high school, college, starting a career, da-da-da, buying my first house, all the rest of that. Mm-hmm. We got around to the late 1990s, and all of a sudden, there was a guy by the name of Ed Zach. I'm sure that's a name you know very, mm-hmm. very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, certainly one of the – one of the first face on the – at worst, the second face on the uh, Mount Rushmore of at card collecting. And I had acquired uh, – is the second edition of his printed handbook. It wasn't just the data that was in there that, that got to me. It was the way he wrote about collecting. Uh, the enthusiasm Ed had for at the baseball and the cards literally to me leapt off the pages of that handbook. Hmm. By then it was the late nineties. Second edition of the handbook uh, uh, had to be pulled back from the publisher so he could cover the 98 set because he wanted to do so badly because of the McGuire Sosa. Uh-huh. situation and by then it was 1999 And by then i was uh, a little further along in life and i realized i'm only missing 12 sets i wonder how many of them i can get if i try <laughs> well back then we were essentially still operating off the ads in the the journal but operating off the ads in the the journal i got about half up hmm. then right about the time that was petering out along came ebay Mm-hmm. Which completely uh, – I actually wrote an article about this in the AMPA journal in the, back in its latest years when Eric was running it, um, which now it caused a spike in prices. Right. But with the spike in prices came a lot more availability. Yes. Sets started shaking out of the woodwork because people could get money for them and because there was finally an efficient market and an efficient way of communicating. hmm And lo and behold, uh, I eventually did, by hook or by crook, uh, acquire them all. I also acquired all 13 of those A-format great teams of the past. And a lot of the other formats, although part of the problem with the B-format great teams of the past is that I'm not sure we know to this date exactly what a full collection of those looks like. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Ed mentioned that very heavily in his handbook. He knew he was incomplete in identifying the ball, and he was right because we've probably, Don Adams and I, in our work between, us, probably doubled that. But um, now, by the time this was going on, of course, Ed had identified someone. He, he retired after the second version of the handbook. There were people who were supposedly going to carry it forward. That did not happen. My dear departed friend, fellow Hall of Famer Donald Adams and I, Uh, by starting conversion, we got to be friends through eBay and decided and his collection was right up there with mine. And he and I decided long about the 2002 or 2003 convention in Lancaster that there was no restriction on who carried forward the handbook because if you read read the introduction to it carefully, it's not copyrighted Mm -hmm. Uh, um, on purpose. Uh, And Don and I said, Well, the people who are supposed to be carrying this forward have, you know, you couldn't even get in con- contact with them at one point. Mm-hmm. And he and I decided we appointed ourselves as the successors <laughs> to Ed Zach, and, uh, and have carried forward from there. And And Donald then, for reasons of health, had to retire from being the editor of it. And I took over. Donald has since left us, uh, although he was, and actually still the longest live Hall of Famer. Uh, the only one to make it to 80. Um, Although there's several who are going to beat that if they last too much longer. (laughs) Um, And, uh, and the Zach at the handbook in point of fact lives and has been updated, but it hasn't happened on paper.
1: Yes. Uh,
3: There is a website um, of which I am theoretically the editor and my fellow hall of famer and dear friend, uh, Roderick McLeod is the webmaster because he's young enough to know how to be a webmaster, which I am not. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) And, uh, and you, if you go out on it, you will find a lot of the information that was in Zach's handbook, all the season write-ups, which you'll find a whole lot more because we've added to it. Are mm-hmm. we completely right. up to date on it? No. Uh, real life keeps intervening in these things. But, oh, yeah. uh, but we're still pounding away on it, and there's still more out there. And what you will find is, yes, yeah, some of the articles have changed because we found out different stuff. If you want to see a real big difference, look to the article on the original 1953 set. What we found out about that after Ed put out his handbook was very interesting stuff. Look at the work on the great teams of the past, particularly the B formats, Uh, all sorts of it, and and the Cs and Ds, but very much the Bs. All sorts of interesting things have been discovered and found there, and we're still finding out stuff. Uh, One of the things on my to-do list, which probably take me to 100 to get to, is uh, a large commentary item on the 1955 original 55 set uh there's always been controversy on that about the fact that the yankees most used shortstop that year billy hunter was not carded hmm. uh having sat in, and and really looked at that original 55 set i realized that sites didn't really have a choice hunter may have been the most often used shortstop but he was in the minors you to for good in august not world series eligible and that team, he was only putting twenty players on a team. Then already had two guys that had to be carded, who were not World Series eligible. Was he going to put out a, t- out a set where of the World's where where the World Series uh, team, Yankees, only had only seventeen of the twenty cards were World Series eligibles? Mm-hmm. It was a tough call. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so you, so there's the, if you stare at these things long enough, you can always find something else to write about. Uh, my good <laughs> friend Bill Blair a few years ago said to me, John, we're never going to get finished with it. This, and I said, Good Lord, I hope not. <laughs> that's sure, no fun
0: yeah so, and um, we'll make sure that we um, you know we can have I mean, show notes on our podcast here and and mm-hmm. the Zach's dot org handbook.org uh, link yes. we can have yeah. on there yeah. for people can to go to there, it, um,
3: it's you will not we don't share who visits there's no there's no pop-up ads there's nothing what we are thanks to Roderick's we're very happy to also as we are now the online host of the various videos that Scott Lahotsky made right. about APPA in the day of Dyson men and things like yes, that. Which is very
1: interesting too. Yes.
3: Stuff. Scott Lahotsky is another one of the saints of this operation, a uh, very good friend. And um, so that, but yeah, how I store them uh, for the, for the teams that are in the short envelopes, I use the APPA boxes, the APPA storage boxes that are sold. They fit wonderfully. They stack nicely. What about all the long envelope stuff? And I got plenty of long envelope stuff. Uh There's something called, you all are sure familiar with bankers' boxes. Uh Uh, Anybody that ever had to deal with paperwork has seen them. There is a special size of bankers' box. It is a model number 706, if you care, that was originally made to hold canceled checks back in the days when there were still paper canceled checks. Uh They put long envelope cards wonderfully. And essentially they're the same animal as the Atlas storage boxes, just shaped differently. You set them on their side, but you can set them on their side. They fit in perfectly. And so that's how I store them. I have them. It's on When I was in my old house, which was small. I had them in a storage unit, but in my nice expansive detached house. Now I have a I have shelving in the basement where I store them all hmm. and yeah. uh, very well organized stuff and uh, And uh, which helps because I'm the sort of person that every now and again gets email says john can you look up a certain card for me and tell me something about it? Yeah, I can actually do that fairly quickly. I can actually find what I'm looking for. Um, uh, yeah, somebody, uh, my good friend, fellow Hall of Famer Randy Corrier, was I forget the now the name of the player uh, emailed me not long ago. Did my former college baseball coach uh, get a card in 1950? Yes. <laughs> As a matter yeah, of think- fact, he was You know that sort of that sort of stuff. And uh, and uh, last convention, Eric Nathalie, I can't find the card I want to use in the home run derby. One of you guys bring it and I, and I, yep, I got it. <laughs> so it, it, it works it works out well. Uh and that's uh, and, and that's these are things that uh you know it's not enough to be, you know, right hall of famer on my underwear. Uh, you know,
0: that five bucks gets me coffee at Starbucks. There's a certain I need to be in a position to be able to give back to the rest of the community that is so honored and uh, and uh, and being the repository of this sort of information to be able to access it is uh, hopefully something that people find valuable you know it's um do you find with a lot of those older cards especially the ones from the 50s and stuff that you handle them just normally or do you handle them more carefully because of kind of their they, rarity? I, I store them
2: all in soft sleeves okay Okay. And at the cards I'm
3: sure everybody else knows that at the card is just about the right size the same size as the Tops baseball card. Uh, and if I'm going to actually play them, uh, I will usually put them in top loaders so they've even got more protection. Right. Uh, actually anything I take i I always the teams I take even if they're not the old valuable ones, the ones that I take to uh, to a tournament or a convention, I'll I'll load that team into top loaders before I take it. Mm-hmm. Uh, just uh yeah, and, that, and that works out very well um, and, uh, and, yeah, and, and the uh, but yeah and actually uh, the 50, 51, 52 and the A version great team of the past version those aren't in the basement uh, in my office which I barely go to because I'm mostly retired anymore but my wife and my old business partner still occupy it uh, we have a fireproof file cabinet there and those oh. things. That uh, and that's and uh, that's uh, that's uh, you know more for protection of you know nobody no street thief is going to target at cards but uh, <laughs> but uh you know things natural disasters and other things happen uh, let us not forget that all of the negatives of the official photographs from john kennedy's presidency have been destroyed they were in a safe deposit box in a bank in the world trade center
0: oh so that's, yeah so,
3: little things like that right um, yeah yeah, the, uh, the, the original Emancipation Proclamation went up in the Great Chicago Fire. Right. You know, so you, so
2: so these things that are irreplaceable, you do a little extra work with. But even but all the stuff, the old 50s and 60s stuff, I've got in, in soft sleeves, mm-hmm. at least. Very cool. And
1: do you I, buy the current set each year, too, to keep adding on? I,
3: I'm a year or two behind now for reasons that I won't. But yeah, I, I generally... As long as I'm calling myself editor of the handbook, I've got to keep a fairly complete collection of baseball cards. I really,
2: you know, I'm really not qualified to keep being editor of that darn thing if I don't. (laughs) That's uh, Right. I'd say I'm a year or two behind now for, for for, for, that's something I'm going to catch up on here fairly quickly,
3: particularly since I don't know if you saw, and I just saw today that Atma's putting out a pre-play card set for 21.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
3: That's one of the things that, unlike most of the sets, you won't be on the market for long. So right. I'll probably, it's time for me to – I've got to make a big order anyway. It's time for me to back up and hit yeah. that hit.
1: On. Save on the shipping a little bit.
3: <laughs> uh, that's uh, – if, if I – you know, it's just shipping costs were all I had to worry about with this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's um, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a few years and a dollar or two past that. Uh, mm-hmm. So are you a, just
1: a, a a hard copy card guy, or do you ever do b b w or the app or any of no, the other I, stuff
3: i am as as David Lawrence termed it in his essay that was in Zach's handbook. I am an unreconstructed card and dice guy.
2: Okay. I
3: spent my entire working career as a tax accountant, staring at the computer uh is something I don't need to do for fun mm-hmm. uh <laughs> that's uh uh, the only thing I do use if I, I, and this is because of wear and tear, you know, on on really on the hands. I do use random.org and a computer screen for the dice okay. rolls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, a, it, my dogs don't get as disturbed by the noise. B, uh, it's a little easier on a hand that's already got a few worn out nerves in it, yeah. uh, and and things like that. But otherwise, no, I'm I'm card and dice all the way. You a, a basic
1: uh, game a, or a master game guy?
3: I play more basic than master, although I've played plenty of both. Um, uh, I find that for solo work, the basic game works. The master game, if I'm playing face-to-face, I'd rather play master. Playing mm-hmm. solo, I'd rather play basic with with certain innovations okay. to, uh, to uh, for instance, take care of the cost-stealing and the double-play problems and things like that. But uh, I'm, I've even got innovations on a soccer game. Well, one year I did the soccer speech at the convention and i said okay everybody here who's played apple with dice raise your hands if you've never tweaked the game or animated it didn't get a hand up you know everybody had and i've even got there's even tweaks that i've come up with on the soccer game although you know that doesn't mean i don't think it's a great game i think it's a great game right out of the box but uh but uh, you know and that's half the fun of these things and that's another reason i stay with garden dice uh i'm not enough of a, of a core head to tweak the computer uh, if yeah. anybody is, I'm not. <laughs> so right. That's, that's where
0: that is. Now, I also know that you've um, organized some local tournaments, some pretty large ones and stuff. Uh, I think the Robert Henry Memorial Tournament well, is one that you've been involved with quite a bit. And, you know, Can you talk to us a little bit about, yeah. about uh, that? and I don't know if anybody can see, but I'm wearing the T-shirt from the last Henry tournament. Um,
3: uh, the... This is a, there's a little story here, but it's one of those stories that tra- I, to my mind transcends Atma. uh And and that's the thing with the thing with that. But by the by the time one gets really embedded in the Atma community, uh, you know the game becomes more of the excuse than the reason. <laughs> yeah. Um, when the conventions, of course, the conventions up through two thousand twelve were in Lancaster. Uh, At the last two Lancaster convention there is a guy named uh now a hall of famer very very dear friend named brian cavanaugh who is from the bryansburg neighborhood of philadelphia which is the old irish working class neighborhood of philly and brian uh teaches in the, in the local grade school that he went to in that neighborhood of philly and in the summer it uh, runs the summer camp at the boys club boys and girls club there um and Part of his summer camp at the Boys and Girls Club is he has the kids playing, and he starts an apple he teaches the kids at and has them play an at baseball league. Uh, he is careful not to tell them that it's helping their math skills, lest he poison the mood. But mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's where that goes. Uh, he contacted at one point uh, John Herson and said, hey, Lancaster and Philly aren't that far. Can we bring the kids out for the Saturday at the convention? And John Herson said, sure, we'll bring them out, and we'll set up a piece of the tournament for them. Uh, you know, it's not that far of a nature. So 2011, they showed up. They put them in their own division. People were skittish about whether the kids could keep up with the play of the annual tournament. But they were a joy to be around. And then 2012, he brought a vanload of the kids out again, and he, we put them in the main draw of the tournament. We put one or two of those kids in every division of the tournament. The problem is by 2012, we knew that was the last Lancaster convention.
2: Right. We knew they were going to Alpharetta, which caused uh, a
3: great deal more outcry and protest than, well, anyway, leave that go. Um, and, uh, and I was sitting around after, we had, after I had been knocked out of the tournament in the group stage, which I always am. Um, <laughs> uh, Brian Kavanaugh and I and a very good friend of mine, great app, a person named David Small. We're sitting around talking, and we were we were saying to Brian, David, and I were saying to Brian, "Your kids have been the highlight of this tournament. The, rest of the the mood at that of that year's convention was kind of down because it was the last Lancaster convention. But having those kids play in the in the tournament with us really brought it up." And Brian said, and of course Brian's got a a master's degree in some sort of social science, so he probably knew exactly what he was saying, and he probably had picked his spot very well. Uh, he said to me, uh, "Yeah, it's a shame." There's no way to get these kids down to, down to the convention in Alpharetta and it is so good for them. And he went on and on about how the kids, you know, are so hyped up to be, you know, that we're playing against the most important NAPA players in the world. Well, I'm not sure that's correct. And even if it is, I'm not sure what it buys you. Uh, you know, I think it's a whale in a puddle, but the point is the kids think that myself and the rest of the Hall of Famers and the rest of the regulars are important NAPA people. Mm-hmm. And that that's something to, to be proud of. And, uh, and and we're not gonna disillusion them. So me, being an idiot shooting my mouth off said to Brian, well, listen, we can't get him down to Georgia. I understand that. There's no reason we can't do something for him here. I said, you get me a date a Saturday next summer and I'll grow up a place to play. And I'll get a dozen or so of these guys who are all buddies of mine and we'll show up and do a special tournament just for the kids. Hmm. I figured it would be a one year deal. Um, It is now eight years after I shot my mouth off it has taken the coronavirus to get it to where I don't, I'm not going to be doing it this year. We right. just announced that we can't do it this year because of the virus. Um, it is a wonderful thing. Uh, it is, uh, we get, uh, we, we get, uh, it's invitation only, but I, I I recruit the so-called adult players uh, to get about an even mix of those. And Brian brings a couple of van loads of, of his kids from the boys club and uh the 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 this thing has just been well by halfway by lunchtime the first year my uh steve scoff my very good friend and fellow hall of famer walked up to me and said okay when we do this again next year and i was like oh boy i'm sunk <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
3: I'm, I'm done. i i enjoy it. my wife uh, uh dr rebecca peterson uh is also she does all the facilities work. She makes sure we have a place to play and lunch and all the rest of that. Uh, and uh, and while there were other regional tournaments at the time, there were maybe one or two a year. Now, if well, look at last year. This year's a bad example. What were there? 30 or more last year? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, most of the regional tournaments are more, you know, just anybody come and play and it's mostly, you know. But uh, mine's a little different. Uh you know, what I tell the adults that I recruit to the darn thing is, look, if you actually care about winning this tournament, this tournament's not for you, because I do, I stay up at night figuring out ways for the kids to win, not the adults to win, mm-hmm. and uh, we have, you know, the rules are very heavily shaded, for instance, all tiebreakers in the standings go to the kids, and uh, and uh, for an adult to get in the playoffs, he's got to win his division outright, because if there's a tiebreaker, the kid gets it, and wildcard spots are reserved only for the kids. Adults can't get them no matter how well they do. Uh, and, uh, but we've had, we've had kids win the whole thing twice. Um, and, uh, and and we're, you know, and, and it's just, and, uh, one of those kids was a junior high school kid in 2011, uh, Rebecca and I had the pleasure of watching his virtual graduation from St. Joseph's university this year. Hmm. So, uh, so, and of course, you know it's his parents and his teachers that uh, that made him the successful young man that he is. But everybody involved in the Henry tournament is gonna secretly, in their own mind, take one-tenth of 1% of the credit. So that's, uh, that's uh, and, uh, and then in the last couple of years of the Alpharetta tournament, what we have done is offer, when the kids age out, when they're over 18, and this is a liability issue, then we will bring one or two, we will offer one or two of them the chance to come to the Alpharetta convention each year on our dime. Mm. and uh <laughs> nice. and we do all of this with contributed funds from the very generous people in the Apple community the tournament they're bringing the kids down everything and uh and uh it's uh it's among the things that i take that that, that uh that i'll take a little bit of pride in because it's really Good for the kids, uh, and uh, and you know the boys and girls clubs have always been closely associated with baseball. They still are. Well, that's where I played baseball as a kid, mm-hmm. um, wow. and uh, and uh, and that's where a lot of major leaguers played baseball as a kid. And uh, it's it's a good and important thing, but uh, but the uh, but the, but the looks on the kids' face at this tournament is only surpassed by the looks on the adults' faces.
2: Uh, <laughs>
3: it's really fantastic thing is wow. it transcends the game uh it's uh you know it's i tell people brian cavanaugh makes the better the world a better place 365 days a year and because of this tournament he gives me a chance to make the world a better place one day a year hmm. so that's which is probably my limit Sounds but that's, great. that's where we are and when uh two years ago when john herson inaugurated the tournament organizer of the year award which he felt compelled to do because there are so many tournaments now uh my wife Rebecca and I were co-winners of the first year, uh, which is which for which we I was very humbled. Uh, but uh, and also at that same convention, Brian Kavanaugh uh, was uh, got into the Hall of Fame for all of his work with it, and uh, he richly deserves it. Uh, right. the toughest thing I've had to do all year is tell him that there was no way we were going to get the tournament off the ground this year. But we'll uh, we'll be back in twenty twenty one, barring plague of frogs or something like that. So. Right, uh, <laughs> killer frogs.
0: Yeah, we, we well,
3: power-
0: It's interesting too because you know Appa. We talk about the Appa community and there's a kind of the internal Appa community, but the tournament environment and in convention too. But especially these tournaments are really about a, a larger kind of community, and and then when you can bring in kind of an outside aspect of community in this case, like boys and girls club or something. uh, That's great. I mean, that's what people kind of Mm -hmm. are attracted to and, and then it's blending all of that together in a really unique way. So uh, that's awesome. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. good stuff.
3: And let's face it. It's uh, John Herson has been, well, he was in on the front end of this whole thing with the boys club before I ever got involved in it. Uh, But he's been very, very supportive of it as well. Um, And uh, of course, I mean, let's, let us face the facts. For all of us, John Hurston and all the adults in Atma who are a part of this, this there's enlightened self-interest here too. If this hobby is going to go forward, we need younger blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah, I'm 63 years old, and I'm still below the median age at the at the convention. We need younger <laughs> blood. Uh, uh, so uh, so we're uh, we're not doing ourselves any disservice here. Uh, right. But uh, but uh, but the fact that we're helping these kids. Uh, you know, helping them with their math skills, giving them something to do that's, uh, that's uh, constructive and, uh, and keeping them involved in a good organization like the boys and girls club. I'll take it. Right. Uh, You know, I'll, 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 I'll take that. Like I say, that's probably in terms of, of being some benefit to the human race, that's probably my limit. So that's, that's, that's,
2: (laughs) you
0: know, um, it's, um, it's interesting, you know we we've talked um, in our some previous episodes. I mean, I, even if we look at our demographic information that comes over for our uh, podcast, it's obviously older men, you know, over yeah. forty. Um, that's where it's at. But if you're looking at um, the future of Apple gaming, uh, you know, you do have to bring in new. People, new customers, um, have products that they're interested in, and and that's why I think there has been some interesting success, especially like with soccer, like we were talking about earlier, mm. where there are a lot of youthful soccer fans out there that could find um, the soccer game a, a great product. I mean, both Kevin and I are high school teachers, and um, ah, I, there are a lot of um, kids that like soccer, you know, and they, oh, yes. and they and they and they and a lot of times I think it goes from. Like if they get into it, either they're going to buy a league or they're not. Like they know, like there's some kids that will know a certain European league and that's their team. And they're watching them in the mornings on the weekend and stuff like that. So I think that's good. But like when you think of, I know you've done the beta testing and different sorts of things to help uh, with various products. Um, What else do you, I mean, you know, like on that kind of idea topic, and maybe this could be kind of something we could finish up with, like the future of APA what do you think would be things you would recommend or, you know, suggestions or, you know, things you like to see or just anything, you know, obviously, you know, not everything's going to happen. Uh, no. We also kid around a lot. I know you mentioned some stuff about uh, uh, basketball and uh, Apple has never kids really had like, kids they, like basketball the, the kids really like them. basketball, but you know, the product that they've had hasn't been that successful, but if you have any thoughts on that uh, feel free to bring that up too. But like, what do you think about the future of the, of well, what's going on?
3: things like uh, like at the go are very necessary um you are I don't think that the world is going to go back to the point where we're going to get a large number of the younger generation without having some sort of online electronic product uh and then some people will go you know that can be an entree to the card and di- you know they're gonna have to the card and dice game and the electronic game are gonna have to go forward you know gonna have to march forward together uh, I don't have a whole lot to advise John Hirsch or anybody else on about that because he's been smart about that from day one. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the one that, that, that wrestled the rights to BBW back from whoever in the hell held them, and then and then got the darn thing updated so it would work again on the more modern systems and then got at the go put together essentially from from ground up. That was mm-hmm. That was all, you know, he was smart enough to do all of that. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to, second guessing on that at all but that's going to have to go forward um the you know i really he's put a lot of time and a lot of money and is still putting a lot into getting at but go where he wants it right for baseball and that's of course and of course baseball is where he should have started uh i would guess that that either soccer or American football would be the next step on that. And I'm probably still a few years, years away uh, because, uh, you know, you, if you want those games to go forward, you know, those are the, in terms of what games are important to the game company's existence, American football and soccer are next behind baseball.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And uh, although the hockey game is very, very popular, I am told the hockey game and the soccer game that the game engine is very similar, mm-hmm. and which would make sense because you know they're both essentially back and forth games trying to score a goal, so that would be doable,
2: mm-hmm.
3: and uh, and perhaps the hockey as well. There is, you know, that is a very popular sport in this country, uh, but I know he's got to get at the go for baseball, where it really is going forward and doesn't need to keep being boosted before he goes to another sport. Yeah. So it might be, you know, maybe I'll live to see him do that and maybe I won't. Um, the As far as basketball goes, I'm going to have to be a little cagey here. Okay. Uh, uh, all I'm going to say is that it's on the radar. And then I'm going to leave it. Uh, but, right. uh, yeah, both of the prior two iterations of Atma Basketball if i if you know after what i said about atlas baseball and soccer being among the best tabletop sims ever made both versions of atma basketball are right at the bottom of that list.
2: <laughs> yeah and, uh,
3: and it wasn't for lack of trying i you know i say oh atma, yeah washington's a basketball town at the pro le- it was the basketball town at the pro level when i was young in the 70s our our great hero just died wes Unseld. Yeah. um but uh, but at the really more at the high school level than anything else, Washington is a mecca for basketball. Always has been, mm-hmm. and, uh, and 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 uh, so I tried I tried with that basketball game. God, I beat my brains against the basketball mm. game for years. <laughs> um, uh, but that thing uh, that thing was uh, beyond redemption and beneath contempt. Yeah. <laughs> so
1: you're saying that they could be looking for some beta testers for APA Basketball, maybe.
3: I'm going to. I'm. I'm not at liberty to give you a worthwhile answer. On that.
1: <laughs> okay, fair enough. Hey, that's uh, fun though. That's.
3: That's. Uh, that's. that's uh, you know. All. Right. All. I, all I will say is, if. If you're worried that Atba isn't even thinking about basketball.
1: Oh, we know they have to be. Yeah. Yeah, they are. There's a huge market there.
3: That's exactly yeah. where I'm going to leave it. Um yeah. the uh, because because I'm not because I probably saying that they're thinking about it is probably more than I was supposed to say. Mm. But uh but I think I left it generic enough that I didn't give anything mm. away.
0: I think you did. I mean we right. talked to John a while ago and he said if they ever were to come up with another product, it would be basketball. You know, if they okay. ever introduced They it obviously
1: me. have looked at it. He's he basically said that in our interview with him that, you know, okay. they've looked into they, that yeah. you okay. know.
3: Yeah, the fact so. that it's being looked at with a certain amount of specificity is yeah you are that's all if that's already public knowledge and i'm not giving anything away john and well, i
1: it was breaking news on our podcast so. I, I don't really know <laughs> if we ever have any breaking news. On no,
3: it, that's you know that's, <laughs> that, i was talk, talking to a young person I know, a relatively young person i know who's very big into producing podcast music stuff and and i said you'll be proud of me i'm going to be on a podcast this week and I, he said oh really he says how popular is it i said uh, I don't know. Um, I probably <laughs> was breaking any records, but I'm sure that Man, the people that no. do watch it are, uh, are legion. So <laughs> APA fans,
1: records, it breaks records for everybody else. It's nothing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, so.
3: that's, uh, you know, like I say, that's, uh, but, uh, but, but, but uh, I'll echo what you, one thing you touched on earlier. The, the APA community is the finest group of people I've ever known or ever hoped to know. Uh, and, uh, for anybody out there who has never been to the to the convention in Georgia, and is debating whether or not it's worth doing, uh, the short answer is yes, and the the long answer is yes, preceded by the expletive of your preference. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, the 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 uh, well, I give give an example and probably get another guy mad at me. The guy is very very big in the in, in Chattanooga, T- Chattanooga, Tennessee, very big in the app community, and he's, he's a guy named Steve Ryan. I don't know if you know him or know of him. Uh, runs a tournament there very bit relatively uh, younger than I uh, uh, relatively younger guy um, he first came to the convention uh, well it was after it moved to Georgia because uh, Chattanooga to Atlanta is nothing it's a it's a it's a you know it's a day trip practically mm-hmm. and and I try to greet anybody new that comes to the convention and sort of a self-appointed cheerleader for these things and I said to him welcome to the, I said welcome to the family I, what I always say is welcome to the family You've always been a member of the family. You just didn't know it until now when you showed up. And he looked at me as one might if one had been there before, like I was something with extra heads. Hmm. Came back to me on the Sunday and said, you know, after three days of it, and he says, I get what you were saying now. Hmm. <laughs> and he's hmm. been probably more involved than I in the community in the years since. So uh, well, that's so – that, so, Yeah, and it's uh, – it's you know, this is, this is the best – bunch of people on earth and uh and it's it's you know that's i'm just privileged to be allowed to uh to uh to be as much of a part of it as i am yes
1: uh, i think a lot of us can definitely agree with that for sure yeah, yeah
3: yeah that's uh at any rate um what else can I do for you guys?
0: Well, I mean, we, I think we've had a really good conversation, John, and and we at some point hopefully can have you come on again when other things are going on. Maybe um, you have, um, you know, you're doing something, you know, with the company or you're uh, doing something with the handbook or um, something new with soccer to talk about, especially soccer. Um, oh yeah, and then we could, you know, always touch base with you on different things. You know, we we're kind of rolling through different people as we go, and we haven't had any repeats yet. But you know, all these Hall of Famers we talk to um, always have plenty of things that they can come back and talk about at any oh. time. Um, mm-hmm. But um, I'm thinking that uh, we've had a really nice conversation, and I think a lot of people are going to find this, you know, have found this interesting um i know with the soccer stuff um this was been this has been really good for me
1: yeah very enlightening for sure yeah,
3: yeah. And, and i will say to you guys uh you know if, if you guys have not played the soccer game if no. you ever sit down to, if you ever sit down to play it if you're having a little trouble getting going i i, I perceive that you guys are not uh, are not uh in the wool soccer fans no. um <laughs> uh, if you have a little trouble getting going with it you know get a hold of me give me a buzz we'll 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 get you through it and uh you know once you once you get about the first 10 plays done you'll be hooked. Uh, okay. <laughs> you'll be there uh getting to that point has been up and down for people but uh but once you get the, once you get there you're hooked and uh and that's uh and and uh and i'm i'm glad to help anybody with it anytime that's uh i will i will proselytize for this thing up one side and down the other so right. uh, that's i would do it for i would do it for the baseball game too but the baseball game uh, doesn't need more acolytes <laughs> Right, they have plenty
0: of ambassadors that way but yeah some of these yeah
3: the, the baseball games PR department is well developed
0: well um thank you very much for being on the show and I'm sure that um we'll talk to you again yes thank you anytime guys anytime you want All right. Well, we, again, would like to thank, uh, John Cochran for joining us. Um, it was great talking with him. Um, I, I think that there's a number of people who've been involved for decades in APA gaming and people that we just feel privileged to be able to talk to. And John is another one of those that we were able to work out and onto the show. And, um, and hopefully sometime we can talk to him, you know, again, I, um, you know, we always like to kind of recap with a few takeaways and thoughts on things, mm-hmm. and um, the thing that sticks in my mind. There's a lot of cool things. I, I enjoyed listening to him talk about the handbook stuff in his collection, and I envy his collection of of, uh, of cards, especially those yeah, ones the from vintage the 50s. ones. Yes, that's really cool. Um, but uh, you know. I'm sure Brian Wells would be really happy about us, you know, somehow getting into some basketball talk um for Apple when there isn't yes. a product even. But we almost
1: maybe got a scoop there by now. We quite. almost
0: maybe, you know, and he can't really say anything, but it um you start piecing things together if you go back and um kind of you know, Herson always plays things close to the vest, but he's like if we were ever to come up with another product, it would be basketball. But he said something in that interview that we had with him, like It takes a couple years to 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 introduce a new product. You don't just whip Mm -hmm. it out there, you know. Um, But I think there's been even more serious conversation, perhaps, about a basketball. I'm sure
1: driven from our podcast. Yeah, (laughs) I'm
0: sure. Um, (laughs) But uh, we're just digging at it and poking at it, you know. Yeah. But um, well, we just know know
1: that it can be. It could be a wonderful. Product, product for the yeah. Apple community and, and a great seller for the company, too. It could really help the company, um, you know, get ahead as well. So it could be a win-win, you know, on both mm-hmm. ends. Um, so that's what I see. I mean, I, I'd be super stoked for basketball. I mean, I if it came out, I'd be all over that. I yeah, I, I would be, be very
0: interested. I know my mm-hmm. my oldest son would like that. I, I would definitely want to give it a try. Um, yeah. Not that I'm some expert on – basketball games like you know I think John has a good background having played other ones but Mm -hmm. um, but it sounds like he's had some conversations yeah um, about that that you know I'm just fine he can't tell us but we'll see but that that would be very fun
1: it's nice to hope you know that maybe something will come about sometime in the near future hopefully right one of the things I um, found interesting with John you know we always come back to the how do you get the younger generation out there um, to get in, involved in, And, you know, he touches on the technology games, you know, like Apple go and things like that and other ones that might come about in the future. And I think he's, he's onto that because like, if you think of people in their twenties and thirties, you know, you know, millennials and stuff like that, you know, they th- like this. Think about the way they might listen to music Well, they're going to have their streaming service that they might have on their phone or other things, you know, that they listen mm-hmm. to, but, They like vinyl too. You know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? I mean, millennials are the biggest buyers of vinyl records in, in the country. All right, mm-hmm. and um, but they're they're probably got their Apple Music or whatever the heck they you know have right. as well. So um, you need a little play with that kind of stuff, and I think Apple needs to do something similar, same type of thing with some people. You know, you like your your regular hard copy book, you like your digital books. There's a little balance between those. Mm-hmm. It needs to find that balance to move forward and get the the younger people, and the, and it can be done. I mean, you can have both. You know older and newer types of products you know older format product digital format product um, those it 's possible, and he kind of mm-hmm. touched on that a little bit, I thought that was interesting
0: yeah, it was um, insightful i I think that um, i mean the i mean we talked in our previous episode to Brian wells and Um, You know, I mean, he he brought up some – I mean, he's a younger guy and, you know, he listens to our podcast while he's often, I think, playing his PlayStation or something, right, or whatever. Like, I think he – you know, he's multitasking, but he's like – there's certain things that he's looking for when he's in his leisure time playing a game or something, and there's certain aspects of card and dice that work for him. And then there's certain things um, more electronically that work for him. So he just kind of mm-hmm. goes back and forth. And he's a younger guy that would just prefer to stay with the card and dice, too, you know. Um, and, you know, it's it's just kind of how I still
1: believe that, like, if you came out with an AppaGo soccer, and I know that's, like, tons of money and everything to put in there. Right. But let's say they did. I would try AppaGo soccer, like, yeah. Almost as soon as it came out, just to see, it mm-hmm. had the cards. It was like you know the basic thing and kind of showed that. And if I played that and thought this is pretty cool, I might buy the the actual game from the company. The
0: cards, yeah, yeah, I might buy the cards and the like, board is game, that, and the dice that are, is that game. You know, know what I'm saying? I, Mm-hmm.
1: I think that's a way to do that. I think that that it can do that with baseball. I can do that with any of the sports um, mm-hmm. that you might actually go and buy. You know, like they can kind of go hand in hand. It's like a gateway mm-hmm. to the card and dice version of the game. But mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. This is yeah me, I guess. You know,
0: right? I I could see that. I could see with that um, going. Okay, I kind of get this, and then okay, I like to try the the board version of it I mean, because you all, you have other games that are board versions and online versions you know like you can play monopoly on a board or you can play it on a gaming mm-hmm. system or clue or risk or whatever there's a ton of games that are like yeah. that that have been transferred or some are better than I mean, uno or something some card game or something and sometimes it's better sometimes it's worth worse um you could go um sometimes you'd like to do one at certain times and then some one of the new
1: classic games like Catan and uh, right ticket to ride those are they have like uh digital versions right and of course the other end back and forth so it's like a preference i guess so mm-hmm. yeah yeah yep. we
0: were um we just recently got clue on our on the on the switch and um you use an app and it kind of keeps track of all of your um you know your stuff you know crossing off things and it's fun, and you have different stuff like that, but you could still do a traditional game of Clue or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, family game. So I think that those are the sorts of ideas that, look, we're not in charge of the company, and I know, and I agree, John has made some smart decisions and moved things in good directions, and I trust mm-hmm. what he's doing, but um, we're just trying to just think about it because, you know, it's an Epic Gaming podcast, right? You know, yeah. that's what we so do we talk about. Um, and I did think that his um, thoughts about... Um, when he made that comment, when John Cochran made that comment about um, Herson sec- re the BBW rights so that he could um, offer the game through the company again, um, is something that I think not everybody always thinks about. You know, like there, people sometimes wish there was more updating going on with BBW and all that, but at least he brought it back in house. You mm-hmm. know, and and there's new product that can be associated. And with the prices right?
1: yeah. for BBW are very reasonable, right? As well, yes,
0: I, I agree. I um, I think that more um, than reasonable, actually. You know, yeah. Um, so, that you know, interesting, insightful stuff. Um, so we um, we've had a good run here of a number of weeks in a row since uh, this uh, pandemic kicked in and we had a lot of stay at home orders and things like that. And that's really, you know, looking back, what made us switch to an all app gaming podcast and we've had interviews every week um, for a couple months, it, mm-hmm. uh, basically. Um, and we've had an increase in our listenership, which we really appreciate. Um, and we're going to kind of keep moving ahead with what we're doing. We are going to, Uh, Take a week off um, for the 4th of July. July. Um, And fortunately, things have gotten a little busier. For both of us, Uh, I know you've actually been able to get back to doing some umpiring. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that sometimes we're, you know, used to be, yeah, we can interview you whenever, you know, that sort of thing. And now it's like we're kind of working things out a little bit. Um, My kids are playing some travel softball and and baseball. um, And sometimes it's Thursdays and Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays and stuff. So um, so we're getting a little busier, but we we plan on, I mean, are we going to have an episode every week? No um but um but we're gonna do as many as we can and you know over the next month or so uh, i know you got a vacation planned Mm -hmm. um so we'll probably have a couple weeks where we may not have an episode but don't worry um we'll get back to those and line up some different things and it'll be good but um but we we appreciate kind of this phase that we've gone into and i think we've kind of kicked into a new mode that is working for us wouldn't you agree yes i agree I agree for sure. So, um if you uh, lots of suggestions always come in, but if you have any other ones or people you can get us in contact with, um, we still need to have a good conversation about hockey. Appa hockey, yes. You know, we've talked to some of our guests about them playing hockey, but I'd really like to get somebody who's uh kind of an expert, I guess. And mm-hmm. um and I think that we have a couple of leads on that, but we'll we'll see if we can do that in one of the next few episodes. And whatever else is kind of coming up. Um, So it'll be good. Um, Hopefully everybody has a nice holiday and um, you stay safe and we'll be back soon. And in the meantime, keep rolling. Double Take is recorded using Audacity and CleanFeed. We use Fifine USB microphones and distribute through Anchor.fm. Theme music, Funk in the Trunk, is by Shane Ivers at SilvermanSound.com. Please follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at DoubleTakeCast, or email us at DoubleTakeFeedback at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.